Hello and welcome to another episode of Something Rotten. Listener, it's getting towards the end of the year. We have done some big series on some big games, and so we thought, what better way to close out this year of Something Rotten than by doing some very small, very interesting indie games? My name is Jacob Geller. I'm joined by Blake Hester and our lovely guest, Bijan Stephen. But Blake, you talk first. Well, no, you've you've introduced the guest. It would be rude for me to take this moment to, you know, put myself up top. So, Bijan, you please talk instead. And yet, you did it anyway. Well, well, Hello, well if I don't talk, they'll think I'm not actually here. I'm sorry. That's true. No, no, no. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is It's, it's always fun to be on podcasts. It's always fun to be on video game podcasts. Yeah, hello. Thank you for having me. Frequent Fortnite collaborator, Bijan. Mm. Frequent Fortnite collaborator. Right. Yes, I, I think I, I I would say that as well. The the uh, man who is responsible for the victory royales in both of my charity streams for the That's past right. two right. years. Couldn't have done it alone. Couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Today, we are talking about a, uh, a game that takes an hour to beat, which personally is how I would love if all the games we played for this show went. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're, that's, this is why we're doing this season at the end of the year, to give ourselves a little break, and also talking about some, like, concentrated rottenness. You know, when you have a game that's, like, four hours long, it gets spread out. A game that's ten hours long gets even more spread out. Sixty minutes? That's that's the good shit. It takes an hour, <laughs> it takes an hour to beat? Are you sure? <laughs> it takes um, longer than an hour to beat, if you're me. I have quite the tale to tell of my journey aboard the Iron Lung, if I may. Uh, look, I would love to hear it. I was I was looking at like development of this mm-hmm. game to try and see if I could give some kind of uh, some background. Really, not much. Uh, it's it's developed by a guy named David Chimansky, who is uh, notable for making the game Dusk, a a big kind of fast uh, classic boomer shooter type title uh and then some other weird little indies recently featured in game informer and a big like piece we did on his work and other boomer shooters oh well uh so yeah what did what did he have to say in that oh you know he didn't talk about iron lung at all i did not even know he made this game until i booted it up yesterday (laughs) it was totally like totally uh completely under the radar for me um i don't know he just talked about like why he liked boomer shooters why they thought they were interesting why they're making a comeback I thought it was all kind of fascinating. It was all like kind of reactionary to like the 2013 prestige game. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that checks mm-hmm. out. I don't know where Iron Lung does... fits into that, but nevertheless, it's quite a game. It's it feels uh, it feels retro in the same way that those shooters sure. you mentioned feel retro, yep. which is I think maybe the, the guiding the connecting thread here. But... The sense that I get from this game, which is totally me reading into things that maybe aren't meant to be read into but it seems kind of like a hobby game in between bigger things in that like if you go in the game's files you can find like pictures of a shooter that it looks like he's working on and kind of like behind the scenes stuff and so it kind of seems like you know, it's something that he made to, like, take a break from first-person shooter development, which I imagine is, like, much more involved than a a short game like this. And yet, this game has fucking popped off in a way that, like, few tiny indie horror titles do. Well, I, I agree that on the surface, 
or below the surface in the iron lungs case far hey, below the surface there it, is. it does feel like maybe something he worked on in his spare time between projects but also like it is a weirdly ambitious project like i know the game yeah. didn't ship with like all the lore stuff you can find on the computer but that like that lore is really intricate and well thought out. So I don't know if that was a reaction to the game's popularity for him or something he was already cooking on. But like beyond just like the single setting of where you kind of move around, like it does seem to be an ambitious project he yeah. created here. I think I think I think it's conceptually very ambitious. Like just like I think it feels weirdly even though it's only like I mean it took me longer than an hour to beat, but we'll say it's an hour sure. long but yeah weirdly for like a game that's that short it is very self-assured like it knows exactly what it's trying to do um also everything is like weirdly polished like like obviously the graphics are low poly retro stuff but like the sound design is great the music is great i found the navigation extremely tedious but i understand that it's it's to build tone like moving around in the world is hard and i always like games that do that like death stranding made walking a mechanic which i always found like really interesting anyway i could go on for a minute but i feel like there's more. We got to we got to talk about what the game is, right? Yeah, well, I want to I want to talk about the setup because I feel like so much of the power of this game is like before you start playing, it just hits you with a couple screens of text that feel like almost comparable to like Blade Runner or something in like how yeah. much work they do to just set up the fucking world where uh, you know, basically it says all life in the universe on all and all habitable planets disappeared one day. The only things uh, alive are people who were on spaceships at the time. Mm -hmm. Those spaceships have this cursed existence looking at barren moons to find natural resources. You're like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. Then the next screen is like, you're a convict. You're being sent down to a moon. The moon is covered in a blood ocean. You're going down in a submarine that wasn't meant to go down into these depths, so it's being welded closed. Uh, good luck. And just, like, the amount the amount of work that does, I feel like, really can't be understated in, like, setting the tone of yeah. this game. In the Something Rotten Pantheon, is this the hardest opening of all time? Because I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Like, this opening screen, it's fucking three tiny paragraphs that, like establishes more than any game I've played recently. <laughs> also look at the look at the font and the color. It's like this like computer <laughs> yeah. terminal green yeah. on this like red background because it's a blood ocean, you know. Um but also I mean like it's like the I think I would I would argue it's probably because this game has to do all of the narrative setting up like immediately because it's an hour long. Like you don't you gotta you gotta be efficient and that is some extremely efficient putting you into the player character it's so great that you like you don't find text logs in the game you're not you're not like you know stopping the kind of tension to like read more about these well, things but you can like there's a computer <laughs> terminal that like completely expands upon the lore of this game okay uh i did not know about this yeah same i, I was vibes only just following the vibes okay well uh, i'm gonna have to talk about my experience of playing this game because i've been down deep uh under the blood ocean but yeah you can figure out like theories on the extinction event the two like political factions that control this world who you are other submarines that have been lost under this blood ocean different moons that exist out there like that terminal oh, you have to you have to play kind of like a text adventure with it where you're looking up specific keywords, but you can learn all kinds of lore. 
As I understand it, that terminal was not shipped with the original release of the game, and it was added in a lore update, which it makes me wonder, like, was the creator, David, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, was he always working on that lore, or was the lore a reaction to the game's popularity? I'm not really sure, but, like, it's not an original. Like, it didn't come with the, like, 1.0 release. That is fascinating. Yeah, I, I played the game yesterday, and maybe because I had played it early when it didn't exist, I did not even think to interact with a computer terminal look i'm a journalist i'm asking questions i'm getting (laughs) answers i think yeah yeah i don't know i thought it was it's it i was sucked in by the vibes and the tone i was like not looking actually so it it does this i this is it's too early to do a comparison but it does remind me a lot of lethal company a game that i just started playing yesterday but that's a that's separate but i think I don't know. I, I can I can only imagine like the lore update happened because people were clamoring for lore. But also, what I'm thinking, if yeah. you were in the files and you saw like plans for a shooter, like it might be a shared universe shooter thing. You know what I mean? It's like here's all the backstory for the game that I'm going to make next. But I mean, I don't know. You got to call him up and ask him. I guess this is you know you're a games journalist, Blake. You get in there, dude. Hey, David. What's hey, up? Mr. Markiplier. Uh, <laughs> hey, we oh, got to yeah, talk right. about that's that. That's the other shit. thing that's funny. That's the yeah. other thing. So okay, so. uh Kind of as a a uh, meta text on this episode, Bijan. When uh, when we first thought of asking you on, uh, the most recent thing that I knew that had happened in your life is you had been laid off from your previous job. And I thought, true. hey, someone who's going to have time to be on a podcast—that's um, absolutely correct. Right instinct. <laughs> keep following that. But then, uh, you know, just a couple days ago, uh, we learned, or I learned from. My good friend, Mitch Goldstein, who is also your Shout good up. friend, Mitch Goldstein. Shout to friend of the pod. My enemy. <laughs> your, your contract writing at Valve, which makes me, uh, one, have you have you done writing for video games before? D- depends. No, the answer is not really. I mean, it's um, It depends on if you count all like, the small games I've been making for a while. But like that's, if you're, uh, <laughs> the answer is if you're looking for a job in video games, um, then I have no experience. No, like other than this job. Otherwise, yeah, maybe. Like if you're, yeah, if you're trying to employ. Yeah, anyway, this is. I don't want to like make myself sound unemployable. But no, I haven't really done much of it before, no, especially not at this level. So the reason that I bring it up is kind of to get your now in industry perspective on sure. on this thing, just because it's like video game writing is weird, and I even from an outside stance, like writing for a video game is so strange because it has to like mesh with all of the other things that the game is doing that maybe have been like pre-decided before you even get to start writing a story. And so like, I don't know, do you have, do you think your your work has given you any additional perspective on this iron lung opening other than like it's a banger um that's a really good question i think it's funny that you asked that because you you're correct in identifying all of those pressures on narrative um that come from like you know game designers and like the, the design of the game like the the world of the game the art of the game um and you're right to identify narrative sort of s- like having to slip in the gaps because that's how it is in a lot of places it depends on the place um but this is, it's funny because Iron Lung is like a totally separate genre of game. Like that opening did not have to be a banger. There were no gameplay constraints, no design constraints. Like he was just like, nah, I'm going fucking hard. Yeah. Um, but I think I think as far as like, like a professional opinion goes, I think it's extremely economical, which I always really respect. Um, and I like that it gets out of your way before, like it, you, you're in the world immediately and then it gets out of your way and you play the narrative. And I think... 
in smaller in smaller games, especially because the gameplay in this game is like very very simple. Um, you find you go to X and Y coordinates marked on a map. Um, there is a briefing. You have to press B to look at the briefing, uh, which I did not figure out until I kept I ran into a few different walls. Um, is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's like I, I think the narrative of the game is. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting and fragmented. And um, I like the idea that you as a player have to, like, you are the story. Like, the story is, is sort of happening around you, but you are within the story. Um, which seems kind of simple to say, but, like, it's a really hard trick to pull off. Because I do feel like there's a level of abstraction in a lot of games between the player and the narrative. So the opening does a lot. It sets all that up in, I think, a really smart way. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like one of the... Uh, an, an interesting parallel you could draw with this game is it is almost like playing a text adventure in that like everything that's happening is imagined you know that like you are kind of imagining yourself in a space that you cannot see and the game is kind of giving you hints that that space is there but but they're not visual they are just kind of it's like the beeping on your compass telling you you're close to a wall and then you imagine a wall close to yourself but like it is you know that the just kind of the opening is so vital for that because it like it gives you what that outside world is that you're imagining and the game could have said you're in one of you're in the marianas trench and you're you know subbing around and you're gonna go get stuff and it still would have worked but i i do think that like so much of the tone of this game comes from like what you have imagined based on these like couple paragraphs that it gives you at the opening it's not just a, i mean it is imagined, but it does seem like it might have been mapped out in XY space because every time you're close to a wall, you can take a picture and see the wall. Like, oh, it it like it is. It's there, which is actually <laughs> one of the cool behind yeah. the scenes things of the game that we can talk about. But Blake, it's been long enough. Please tell us the story of you with this game. I'd like to cast your all's memories back a few months when we all sat upon our markedly dry thrones and laughed and guffawed at the folly of billionaires who boarded a ah, yes. underwater vessel and were crushed like a Coke can sent to the recycling plant. And then I'd like to cast your memories back to last night when I still feeling better than them got into a submarine myself and said, surely I'll be able to beat this game in an hour as how long to beat told me. And then what did I find? But I am no better than the billionaires. I was crushed <laughs> hundreds of times in this fucking submarine. <laughs> I crashed into every damn wall in the near vicinity of the intro of this game. Um, yeah, I found it fucking inscrutable. I could not rap. I, I, I started this game. The intro text comes up. I'm like, hardest thing of all time. I fucking love this game. It's my new favorite game of all time. Then I did the act of playing the game. And I said, why make this? Yeah. Why would you design this? Um, I, I had to look up on Reddit. A, someone writing a detailed comment on how to play Iron Lung, how to use the map, how to read coordinates. And I said, I got it. And I got to the first checkpoint. I took the picture and I was like, that's crazy. And then I went to try to go to the second checkpoint and I, I crashed. I died. And the frustration rose and rose. <laughs> Much like the, the blood ocean in your submarine. Exactly. I'll be honest with you. I waited until last night to play this game because I was like, it's only going to take an hour. It's easy. And I had a fucked up night. I did not get home until late. So I'm playing this at like 11 p.m. Nah, dude. Nah. Terrifying. So I said, I, I sat here and I thought to myself, I said, 
Is this the way I want to encounter Iron Lung? This game I've heard so much about that, you know, my hero Markiplier has invested his life savings into creating a film of. And I said, no, this is not the way to come to Iron Lung. This is not the experience. So I thought, what is the experience most people come to Iron Lung? Like, what? how do they encounter this game? Well, of course it's Let's Plays. So I turned my computer off. I walked the three feet to my couch. I pulled up a commentary list Let's Play of Iron Lung. An hour long. And I watched it. The whole thing. And it was awesome, dude. I, I am so <laughs> glad I did it that way. Because... If I would have gone through the trials and tribulations of playing this game, I would be on this podcast right now and be like, fuck this game. Like, it just yeah. was not for me. It's like, it just was not my thing. And that's fine. I recognize that. But I sat there and watched it like a movie. And it, like, played out like a horror film for me. Like, I was fucking scared watching this thing. Like, being able to, like, put my frustrations aside and, like, kind of role play in the video. Being like, what would it be like being in that thing? And just knowing I'm fucking dead under here. Like, mm -hmm. the worst possible way to go out was awesome. And then when that was video was over, like, I went down the rabbit hole. I pulled up an iceberg video. I looked at, like, a video breaking down all the text logs that explain the lore of the world. And at first I was like, do I even want to know lore? And what I found was it was very well written and interesting. So hats off to David for, like, expanding his, you know, world that totally worked as a mystery in a way that I thought was, like, creative and, like, satisfying. Like, I was totally into it. I think it was, like the right way to play it and i'm actually very glad i decided not to play this game last night it was awesome i, d I do feel like that was my one complaint uh was like i thought the design was interesting i thought you know i thought it, like it all worked it all hung together yeah but moving around the world is fucking tedious it is it's like you look at it it's you going back to, to fucking middle school or high school geometry being like all right x and y coordinates all right how do i get here from here without bumping into anything and it's like the main action of the game is, aside from one interlude, you like pressing an up and down button and changing the angle of your sub to go different directions. Um, and like, you know, looking at a map and going to the, it's like geocaching, but in underwater in tunnels in a video game. Um, and uh, that, like the act of doing that is not exactly fun, though you do get better at it yep. the longer you do it. Um, but again, it works because it's hard to navigate. It's like this oppressive atmosphere. I once, um, a colleague told me, um, like he was telling me the hardest thing to do in video games is tone. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this, and I, I, I'm, you know, it's a thing I think about all the time now, but this game like fucking nailed it. And being, having like tedious to use movement is one of those tools that made the tone so oppressive and made it work so well. On for the sure. other hand, as a game, not that fun. Exactly. Yeah. I was so unequipped for this game last night. I literally Googled which axis is X. Oh boy! And then I found out on the map it just tells you, and yeah. I just didn't see it. But like, yeah, I mean, it's it's we we encounter this a lot with something rotten games. Less so recently, but like definitely, I think we talked about it playing Kane and Lynch Two, which is a game we adore, but is not fun or particularly good. Manhunt to a degree, though I don't know if that was necessarily intentional, and more just Rockstar made bad games back in the day. Yeah. Um, but like. <laughs> You know, at what point does tedious game design work against, like, the atmosphere it wants to create? And for me, Iron Lung is like, it is not worth it for me to hit my head against this wall. Mm -hmm. Because it was working against the atmosphere and the setup that I was really enjoying. And once I took that away from myself and watched someone who clearly knew how to play it, like, I was completely sucked into the atmosphere. Like, like I'm, I was wearing headphones watching it and, like every sound outside oh, that fucking mm. sub like terrified me and i think if like 
I got to that point myself playing it, like the tedium, I wouldn't have given a shit, right? Like my brain would have kind of turned off to a lot of that stuff. Um, so it's like, it's definitely a mileage will vary type of game. The popularity of it implies like people can deal with the tedium, but yeah, it's it's a weird thing. This is, it's interesting to hear y'all say this because I, I, I don't think I, I, well, I'm sure I did not struggle as much uh, as you, Blake, and, and I don't know, <laughs> this is also, this is my second time playing it, so, like, I, I kind of knew how it worked more, but, like, I, I really, you know, while I would, I was not going, like, Yahoo while piloting my sub, like, <laughs> I, I do think that the the locomotion of this game is like i i don't know if i would have gotten the same thing out of it watching it because like for me so much of this game is both is is like growing more confident with the controls and then having the game subvert that you know because it's like when you start out it is very hard to understand where you're going or what you're doing you haven't set up like one of one of the kind of uh, satisfying things i found in this game is like figuring out in your head just like tricks to navigate better right is mm -hmm. is something that i found where it's like at first it was like literally checking the map every three seconds to be like where am i where am i going and then you grow to kind of be like okay i'm gonna aim myself at like a 45 degree angle down i'm going to go until like y hits 670 and mm -hmm. then i'm going right. to you know it's like you can kind of you can kind of like make a to-do list for yourself that yeah. that makes navigation and then but then like the game knows that you're doing that and decides to fuck with you in ways that it couldn't do at the beginning because you like didn't even know enough to know how you were being fucked yeah. with um and so that is all to say uh i i actually find the the navigation really interesting in this but i do think that uh it, it is really similar to like i think you made this this comparison and and bees you've made a video about this but like it is a quap or yeah, like getting sure. over it type game like it 100%. is it is like the point is that the game is going to give you something that should be easy to do and make it hard it's it's really interesting hearing you bringing up like your experience jacob but like my question is you, you are a bit of a pervert right like you like to play <laughs> extra hard games like that's like kind of your thing playing things on ultra difficulty that's, and i love graphs i just love x yeah. and y coordinates oh god I so like, mm. i'm glad to hear your perspective but listener please keep in mind he's a bit of a, a deviant pervert and i'm a sociology major so i just love looking at lines go up and down it's yeah. I, I mean look i i like I felt, uh, Jacob, I totally understand what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. Like, it works, and I think I said this earlier, but it works with the game design, um, and it works to set the tone. I just didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> um, although, I have to say, even at the end when I was getting better at navigating and stuff, because it, it wasn't, like, that hard once you, like, figure it out. You sort of, like, move around. And, and it's not even 3D space, either. They, like, put you down to a depth, and you're not going anywhere but up and down. Like, you're, yeah. you're going in two dimensions, not three. So it's not even that difficult. Um but yeah, after I sort of got used to piloting the sub um, and encountered some of the weird shit that happens, uh, it did feel satisfying. But I was also just like, you know, I can't think of a way to make this like this particular mechanic better without taking away from the rest of the game. So, you know, it's it's good for it's good. You just have to get over the hump. And if you're it's like a Tony, it's like a thinky game. It's a vibes game. You go in for the vibes. You don't go in for like the the other shit. Yeah, I uh, I I think that's totally the case. And I'm also I'm I'm really glad that we had the the three different experiences we had here. And Blake, it's I I like I'm glad that you watched a let's play 
of it because I think you're right in that that's how most people I mean it's like I think that uh, all of us even in the industry would kind of underestimate what a big pull watching people play horror games specifically has i mean this is this is the same reason that like the five nights at freddy's movie made a hundred million dollars in its first weekend and everyone who saw it was like under 30 you know that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like young people love to fucking watch other people play horror games it's something so fascinating because like as someone who works in the games press like we do not pay enough i was thinking about this literally yes last night with iron lung like we we just pretend that doesn't exist and that's not like a major cultural force right now as people like markiplier like listening respect to the ring listening to the big picture them try to figure out why five nights at freddy's was a success i was like we're not equipped for like who is taking our jobs which is like markiplier played this game and it probably made david samansky a millionaire you know and like i think that's really interesting because when you play this game like it is it is inscrutable in a way i've never played a game before like like i've never played a game like this and like like contrasting that with how popular it is right now and how into people like people are into watching it and the lore is like really fascinating like it's something i expect from like a resident evil which is a fun series to play but something that like it's making you you need to be a geography major to understand is like (laughs) mind-blowing to me yeah well and it's like five nights at freddy's is a game series designed to have a big iconic scary face pop out out at you every five minutes and then the streamer that you're watching play it goes wah and then they can be like did you know the lore of this big scary face is actually this and it's like this game doesn't have any of that shit you know it's like it is it is all build up to one thing happening at the end i don't know if any major real coverage of this game in like game press outlets yeah. and yet it's like uh, one actually, of the biggest our friend our friend renato wrote a story about it in vice oh. or in waypoint but uh th- that's about it that's all i could find yeah it's not like at game informer we're like checking what markiplier and jacksepticeye are streaming and it's like we probably would double our traffic if we paid more attention to that shit yeah but here we are and now there's a movie iron lung coming out starring markiplier dude <laughs> it's happening i watched the trailer last night it better than i thought it was gonna look yeah i mean as as we've talked about the notable thing about that movie so far is it's breaking the record for the amount of fake blood used in a movie which uh you know it better be that's that's all i'll say like it it, if it's not breaking that record what are we even doing it is a blood ocean you have to have oceans of fake blood but i yeah i do think i think you're right the like the rise because i used to cover streaming at the verge and like the rise of like the cult, like the, the 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 increasing cultural impact of streamers and YouTubers on like the video game economy, I think is really really fascinating because it's like now part of marketing plans. You have like somebody who's gonna make a video about your game or play your game on stream, and you know you're gonna see a bump in sales. Like I think um, the last time I saw this happen, most recently I guess was with the finals. Did you guys ever play that? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. We played it together, Beach. Yeah yeah, but I I do. Like, did do we play together? Oh, we did not. No. Unfortunately, I did not get to play it. Ah, it's so good. But it was like, oh, this was like on stream and it blew up immediately because like I think it was Shroud was streaming it or something. Like some of the bigger people were like, oh, this game's great. Uh, and I think the main thing is like those people, they give you an excuse to like take a chance on a game because either you trust it's like, yeah, I guess it does replace the gaming press in a, a very specific sense in that like, you know, one function of the gaming press is to recommend things that you might not otherwise see. Um but I do think, I mean, I don't know. I think the game is really interesting because, as you guys mentioned, it came, like, fully formed out of nowhere. There's no tutorial. It's, like, anti-every 
like modern mm. game design thing. Every modern game design trend, you know? It's just like, all right, like you're in a sub, you're a fucking convict. Go find points of interest and take pictures of them. Well, you know what it reminds me of is fucking Silent Hill 2. How like, I mean, granted, and a more approachable game, but <laughs> but like Silent Hill 2 is not approachable. Like it dumps you in. It's like, hey, you're the biggest freak on earth. Also, good luck trying to figure out how to play this fucking game. I still barely know how to play that game. Like it, it's it's, but it's the difference being like Silent Hill Two feels like it could come out when it did, and people would just accept it because games mm-hmm. didn't cost as much back then, and yeah. things were a little more experimental in the AAA space. Uh, yeah, I mean things are just like not as tutorialized. Also, games it, came with manuals, which yeah, is exactly. that's the other big thing. Yeah, <laughs> and granted, this is not a AAA game. Like this is a indie release, but. It doesn't have an indie hook. Like, a lot of indies I go to have, like, that one central, that mechanical hook. Like, Neon White, which I know is, like, a bigger mm-hmm. scale. But it has that mechanical hook. Like, you are in it for the speed. And Iron Lung, it's like, it's like I don't know, fucking deal with it, bucko. Like, find your own fun <laughs> in this thing. And I want to I wanna go back to the idea of, like, watching kind of streamers and, and, and how it affects games like this. Because I think the finals is an easier example of you see someone playing a multiplayer game. They look like they're having fun playing it with their friends, you think, I should play this with my friends. This game is, it's essentially, like, you know, in the way that horror functions kind of like comedy in that, like, it builds up to a punchline. You know, this game is essentially a long build-up to a punchline, and the idea of watching someone play that and then being like, I should play that joke again is, like, weird, and I think there are a lot of, I I think a a common discussion in game development spaces is, like, is this actually helping our bottom line, you know, like, in in kind of story-focused things and experiential things, are people going to buy it after watching someone else play it? And I think, I mean, I think data-wise, the answer is usually yes, but, like, I could, it's weird to think about, you know, because it's not, like, it's not like I want to see what I can do in the finals. One person playing Iron Lung basically looks like everyone else playing Iron Lung. Like, there's not that much room for player mm-hmm. expression in it. Yeah, I mean, I also think, I mean, part part of it could be like, oh, you watch a Let's Play of it, and you're like, oh, my friend likes horror games. They'd probably like this game, and you recommend it to them. They buy it, and it's like, I think you get the network effects kind of um, at that scale, you know, millions of views, et cetera. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really hard to say because, again, narrative games generally not that fun to play after you've seen what happens in them. And this I would say this is like halfway between like like a purely mechanical game and a narrative game. Like you you have both sort of ticking back and forth. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's I I, I do not think I would replay it, but I would definitely like to watch someone else play it. Like for sure. And see see them freak out. I I, I don't think you can like I mean I'm with you, Jacob. Like now that I've watched this game, like there's no universe where I'm playing it, but I don't think you can like discount the experiential nature of just media. Like, I think yeah. even if people watch through this, they'll want to find it themselves. Like, especially with that fucking computer terminal, they'll be like, well, may- I thought of a keyword. Maybe it'll make something pop up. I've been listening to, not to, <laughs> to, to bring up The Ringer again, I've been listening to The Rewatchables recently, and I've rewatched four movies in the past week based on just, like, listening to it. And it's oh, like, well, huh. now I have to experience it myself. And I think, like, for a lot of people watching Markiplier play it, they might be like, well, now I have to know. Like, it's like, it's not a word of mouth thing because you're watching yeah. it. But I think, like, you can't discount how much people watching those streams just want to feel it for themselves. Also, especially in games, which is an experiential medium. Like, that, yeah, that, exactly. that argument does actually, I think, carry more weight here. Yeah. One thing I will say boosted the game sales that I found out yesterday by nice. a insane amount. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Was the Ocean Gate thing. Yeah. <laughs> David tweeted a graph of his sales, and it looked like it sold more in that week than maybe it had sold in its entire history. Like, it was crazy. Uh, which yeah, is... well, I'm I'm curious about... Uh, let, me, let me see that... Uh, if there's a link to the tweet in the... Um... Uh, thing because I I remember seeing that graph and then remember thinking I don't know if he has the axis being as long you know talk, talking about graphs is like does it show the does it show when Markiplier oh, like sure. he's he's actually oh, only point. showing five days of the game's sales oh, okay. Okay, uh, okay. as opposed to like a year which but we need to see but yeah but yeah they did they did certainly spike I would say it's a morbid graph. To just look yeah, at sure. and think about, you know, yeah. it's like it, it it really says uh, a lot <laughs> about us as people. Oh, well, OK, so yeah. let me let me ask you all a question. Um, I think none of us would board a uh, submarine piloted by a, you know, billionaire dipshit with an Xbox controller. But if if it was like James Cameron, you know, noted submersible expert who was like, I'll take you down. You know, this is this is about as safe as a submarine can get. Do you want to go down, you know, like a mile below the ocean to see some cool shit? Would you entertain that possibility or would you just be like, fuck, no, no way I'm getting in that thing? Dog, I'm popping a Zanny and I'm going down with Mr. Cameron, you know, like we're doing <laughs> we're going to manage anxiety. We're just going to go down there. See what's up. Look, I survived two bouts of cancer and addiction. I'm not dying with James Cameron. <laughs> That's, like, that's so not real. like that's not gonna be what gets me like when those billionaires blew up did any of y'all feel any sympathy no because they were down there being idiots if i go down there and a sub blows up literally my mom is gonna be like hey, he's an idiot he shouldn't have gone down there that's not how i'm dying <laughs> like you're out of your mind fuck that shit i'm staying i i don't even like taking baths man like i'm taking a shower <laughs> where i there's no hope of me being submerged in water ain't no way no. Jacob, what about you? Would you you going down with James? I think I would. In in I I really it's just like in the same way that I am obsessed with caves and, and it's like that? I would like to go skydiving nah. at some point. Nah. Like I you know I want I want to do the crazy thing, and I think you know there are a lot of submarines that don't explode. Is all I'm saying. We only hear about the submarine that does. Uh, it's because the other ones j just don't. Like that's there's like a whole certification thing. There's like five guys who like know everything about subs that certify all the subs. Yeah, one of them was actually on that submersible. <laughs> he just liked diving. Okay, so now there are four guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah. It's actually a really sad thing. Jacob, in like the next ten years, I'm gonna have to fly to North Carolina to go to your funeral because you died a Looney Tunes death. <laughs> a big a big anvil fell on my head yeah because yeah, you were in it you were spelunking and there are anvils in caves dude i don't yeah, know what to tell you stalactites annie's gonna call me and aj and i'm like oh my god what happened and be like he went skydiving and he didn't want to wear a parachute like what are you doing why are he, you going down he was there just, he was just gonna try and land in a big net <laughs> they want to land on top yeah. of a circus tent did you Would see the, there was a guy who actually did that Oh yeah, I've seen it. One of the craziest. Why would you of all do time. that, <laughs> Travis Pastrana, dude? He rocks. Shouts out to Nitro Circus. Okay, uh, friend, right, anyway. friend of the show. Friend um, of the show. <laughs> would y'all go to outer space? Nah, me neither. Yeah, for the same reason. See, I, that's that, my thing, Jacob. You're fucking <laughs> wild coyote ass. Yeah. Well, here's okay. Here's the other thing. I would not do it. I mean, I have a, a loving partner. I'm sure she would be sad. Um, but like. 
this is a thing that like you do before you have children you yeah. know if i had kids i would not oh, sure. go in a submarine in the same way that i think like everyone who climbs mount everest who has kids is like that sucks you know it's like you you this is an activity to do while you're childless and it's like the the saddest thing about the uh that submarine blowing up is there was like a kid whose dad pressured him yeah. to yeah, do yeah. it with him and it's like that's the one you feel bad for right because like his dad is an idiot he's yeah. not right um and so you know it's like Yes, but only now when I have like relatively little. Th All I would do is make my parents and family and and partner incredibly sad. But I wouldn't leave children right. fatherless. <laughs> I would not go to outer space for what it's worth. Yeah, I just I don't. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I don't think we're getting there. I don't think yeah. it's gonna be a civilian thing. Like, I don't think so. Not before not before uh, climate change murks like every country on the planet. Like it's just not happening. Yeah. However. <laughs> In the lore of Iron Lung, yes, people did, and they colonized Mars. And check this out. Don't know if y'all knew this. Mars's population actually grew over Earth's at one point before the Quiet Rapture. So would you... Here's a question. What's up? Would you rather have been in the Quiet Rapture or not? Oh, 100% yes. <laughs> Send me up, baby. <laughs> Disappear my ass. Yeah, right? Like, you don't want to survive after the apocalypse. You just don't. Like... No. I remember, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like life gets infinitely harder. Um, but if you just like disappear, no, like that's it. Like, I don't know. Unless they all went to like literal hell. Then it's, is, then it's it seems doom. like a possibility. Then it's doom. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, um, that's a good point. Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, I, think, I think one of the interesting things about this game is it is so minimalist that everything that it does that is not in the literal just like adjust the course look at the map take pictures is awesome you know it's like this mm -hmm. game gets more mileage out of a steam pipe bursting than like most games get out of like throwing a giant 10 million dollar monster in your face yeah. you know just just the like the mileage that this game can get out of a groan or the lights flickering or whatever uh rule so did did y'all have any kind of like favorite uh moments in this game i was it was terrifying like the oxygen warning i was like huh every time uh the, f the first pipe freaked me out um i think my favorite one was uh the fire because yeah. I, yeah, I was yeah. so pissed off because i died twice to the fire and then i was like wait a second there's gotta be a <laughs> trick here <laughs> My favorite, I think it happens twice, but the first time fucked me up so bad was you just out there exploring, everything's going well, and then you have a um, like a radar that tells you how close objects are to you, oh, yes. and depending on how close you are, you know, the frequency of the beep and the light is quicker, and it, it, for like one second, there's just something on it, and it's going beep, 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 beep and then it's gone. It that, fucking that, scared the shit out of me. That fucked me up. Yeah, terrifying. You also your sub gets hit occasionally, which is like I can't deal. No, with that. you're you're well. So, okay, so this is my favorite, and this is this is one that I think is maybe lost if you're not actively controlling it. Is like all you were doing in that game is staring at your coordinates and staring at your graph, and those two times the sub gets hit, you move like you move on oh, the map. Yeah, and and so it's like. Suddenly, you're like, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm driving west until like X hits yeah. 300, and then you get hit, 
and suddenly you're at like 650 and you're just like what the fuck is going <laughs> on you know it feels it feels like it totally it's, betrays the one thing that the game has given you which is like you are going to know where you are holy yeah. shit yeah i had yeah. no clue about that yeah it's it's if you're not looking at the coordinates man it's like freaky also i like how the um numbers go up and down like gas prices like it's the same <laughs> animation uh-huh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's very um, nice. I think the the fire one is great because and this is actually something that uh, that Renata wrote about in in her piece is that like when the fire goes off, it is during a period of navigation between two photo points that are pretty far away. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to be turning around to look at the back of your sub. And so you're just like looking at your map, looking at the coordinates, changing your position. And then just at some point, you're like, what is that sound? And you turn around and the whole back of your submarine is on fire. But like, I think part of the reason that it works is that like, you don't notice it for so long. And then you kind of have the like secondary realization of like, oh, it's been on fire for minutes. And I have just like not realized. (laughs) Because it's really, it's actually, it's kind of a soothing sound. You don't, it's like, oh, this is a new sound. I don't have to worry about it because it's not one of the freaky sounds outside of my sub. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize, for me, it was like, I realized the room was getting brighter and I was like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) I would talk about the pictures, which you can take pictures at any point in this game. Uh, it, it's almost always the coolest thing ever, even if you're just like taking a picture at a wall or the black red abyss, yeah. I guess in this case of uh, the blood ocean. It's like, I don't want to overstate it, but I feel like it's like the strongest part of this game's entire art design are, is just the visual look of these pictures, which is like grainy black and white. Mm-hmm. And occasionally there's just some like Lovecraftian object out in the distance. Like it's incredible. I would yeah. hate to see what they look like, just the normal 3D assets. I'm sure they look goofy. But. See, but this is this is exactly the thing, though. Like, your brain fills in the rest of the picture because it can't you can't make it out, and it's more scary than anything anyone could have come up with. It's, it's so good that it's like the picture is just so shitty that yeah. you're just yeah. like, is that tentacles? Is that, like, tubing? You know, it's never clear if it's, like, organic or if it's, like, the ruins of something that used to be there. Yeah. So... The the two that fucked me up, one, the eye, which we can talk Ugh. about, the great horror oh, yeah. moment. But the one that, like, really fucked me up is there's a picture, and it's just, like, clearly a building. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's yeah like, you can see, like, bricks. Hey, dude, it was the first moment I, like, stopped and considered this as a place and not just, like, the moon from uh, that... that Junji Ito story where the moon licks the earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hellstar Remina. Uh, Remina. But, uh... Like, the idea that this had been a real place that, like, humanity had existed in was such a, like, weird existential fear for me that, like, kind of put the universe... Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of, like, made me realize this wasn't just a horror world. It had been, like, a real functioning place that, like knows nothing now but doom and terror yeah and i think one of one of the cool things that that does is it makes you realize that the opening narration is kind of subjective you know that it's like it's not like it's not fact it's just what people have like figured out so far because what it says is like all inhabited planets disappeared you know all that's left is this but then you find this shit and you're like maybe that's wrong you know like maybe this uh, the the quiet rapture involved this ocean of blood being because it's like we haven't even talked about it. it's like what does an ocean of blood mean 
You know, like, where does that come from? Clearly Evangelion reference, bro. Clearly. Extremely, right. extremely clear right. it's LCL. Um, right. But no, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's, maybe all, the, maybe all the rapture's blood went into this ocean. Like, you know, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all the blood in those people could be there. Um, but I do, I think, to go back to the pictures for a second, what they reminded me of instantly was photos from, like, Chernobyl, where you can see the camera sensor mm-hmm. being pelted by radiation. Yeah. Oh, God, that's the yeah. best shit in the world. I mean, the worst, but yeah. also the best. <laughs> Jacob, you would definitely go to Chernobyl, wouldn't you? I, I've read about tours, and yeah. they're like, you know what? As long as you don't touch, like, that pile of boots, you'll probably be all right. <laughs> see? No, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think, yeah, it, it's... The game has like it. I think it's also very strong because it just gestures at the narrative, and I I think it's the strongest part of the narrative is that what you just said. It's like they don't know, dude. They're trying to figure yeah. it out. They sent you down there to help them figure it out, and it's <laughs> your your mission is like, all right, well, I'm in a death trap sub, and this might be a one way ticket. Like, I guess I got to do my job. Your mission is a fallacy. You are basic. Like this is capital punishment, effectively. Yeah. Well, you are a convict, like, so it does it does yeah. justify that. <laughs> the, the, like the, the, this, uh, something rotten pro capital punishment no that's not Berlin. what i'm saying um <laughs> no but like the the photographs the the study the science of it that you're sending back is like realistically secondary it's like whatever group sent you down here it's like if you get something great but if not nope. like we've executed you and it's clear in the the story of the game this is not the first time this has happened. This is something they do with convicts. Yeah, you can you can actually find another sub. It's like an unmarked yeah. photo thing. I was looking up Easter eggs, but like you can find a sub that looks like yours that is just like on the seafloor. Well, so so that's a different sub. That's a scientist sub. That's terrifying. There's, dude. Oh, there's okay. Yeah, I, I haven't watched the icebergs. So there's I a text know. log you can read about about the iron lungs. Which are like, if they send you down in those, they don't give a shit about you. You are just sent to die if you send anything back. Great. But the one you can find is a, like, that was not a convict on it. That was a real scientist, and they did not expect it to be destroyed. It was a whole thing. The lore of this game is really fucking cool, y'all. I want to talk about the name of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know what an iron lung is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, those, those things they put the kids in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just kids, as it, as it turns out. Um, but once it's like, yeah, because this was a polio thing. You, when polio destroyed your lungs and your ability to breathe on your own, uh, you got put in an iron lung, which breathed for you and you had to stay there for the rest of your life. Um, have you guys ever seen one in like real life? Well, not in real life, but like, there's still a guy that uses it. There's like one, one guy left who uses an iron lung and I've seen that stuff. So I, uh, in, in my childhood, uh, science museum, there was, uh, an iron lung just in there. Uh, and I, for a while when I was a kid, that was like the scariest thing I'd ever seen. And then I graduated to learning about uh, nuclear waste and radiation. And that was like way scary. I had nightmares about that for years. But but yeah, like seeing one of these contraptions and realizing kind of the joke of the game is that it's the inverse. Like <laughs> you're, you're sealed into this thing like an iron lug, except it's not a life-giving thing that you're doing. You're not on a life-giving mission. You're not, you are not helping anyone really. You're just in there. And you're you're fucking stuck. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah. Uh it's I, I think I think thinking of it as the inverse is is a really great way to because it's like the oxygen should not be ticking down in an iron lung. Yeah. Like that dude who's still in one is not in there because it like runs out of air in sixty minutes. No. It's also like a fascinating concept to think that after the rapture, like government bodies would still be interested in like 
executing convicts. Like, I feel like that says a bit that it's like, well, yeah, we're still going to, like, carry out our systemic, like, oppression. Um, even even after God has, like, kind of done a, a capital punishment on everything, like, we're still going to kill prisoners so this is this is the, that is also one thing i found really interesting the quiet rapture like the yeah. name suggests that it's a like a a government mandated it's like something that somebody mm-hmm. else came up with it's not like it's not describing it's describing what happened but in terms that other people can understand which i don't think retains necessarily its biblical connotations like it, like i think from the positionality of the, the the character in the game this is just what it's called. It has no like valence really. Like it's not like it's not like they know that there's a heaven and a hell. Like they're not just sending you to hell. You know what I mean? I mean they are, but like in a more metaphysical sense. I think it is quietly a, a very like political game. And that like it is obsessed with the cruelty of your character being in the iron lung. And like Yeah, I mean the fact it, it's like it is it is so pointed that they say you're a convict because they could have said you're a scientist, but like it is important to the game that you basically know as soon as you get in there that you're going to die. And I think if you were a scientist, if you were like an explorer, the game would kind of maintain, you know, it could do another trick, which is you think you're going to get out and you don't, but like by making you a prisoner and by making this sub so obviously like, death trap e yeah it's it, it is that feeling of like doomed from yeah. the beginning you know that it's just like there's there's no way this ends other than me just fucking choking on blood right and i mean like most methods of execution the cruelty and terror is the point but this is like yep scary to a comical degree right this is like yeah. not the 10 seconds you have to wait for a a firing squad to shoot at you and it's like slowly suffocate in a pool of blood for hours like it's horrible well as it turns out (laughs) it's it's that thing of like uh one of my this is this is a very very dark so apologies but um uh, a writer i love uh nanakwame jibrenya who wrote uh uh, chain gang all-stars this year has a uh, a short story collection uh, that one of the short stories is called the Finkelstein Five, which is about a a man who like beheaded a bunch of black children with a chainsaw and then said like I was defending myself. They were threatening. And the point of the story is like, is there anything that is so ludicrous that society would kind of break its ideas of racism or you know carceral punishment or whatever to say like this is absurd and like in the years since that story has come out there have been things that feel so close to that that it's just like nope never there is nothing bad enough that we would kind of like self-reflect and be like we shouldn't do this and that feels like the same ideas iron lung it's like this is the worst thing that you could possibly imagine and like still no one gives a shit because we've decided that prisoners aren't human yeah yeah i mean there's there's a there's a line in hunter hunter which in the chimera ant arc which if you didn't get through it i don't i don't blame you um but it goes hard and it's it's like this this guy being like there's nothing like he's talking to one of the ants because they're ants that have superpowers now anyway long story short this guy's like he's dying and he's like you have no idea of the the bottomless malice of the human heart and I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's why this that's that's the whole thing. That's like <laughs> yeah. I, there's there, humans have an infinite capacity for cruelty. And, and, and when you apply imagination to that, it 
gets worse because we are imaginative beings. Let's talk about the last five seconds of this game. Oh, boy. I just played it. I just finished it. Like, not literally not five minutes before we started this recording. Yep. <laughs> um, I I think it is one of the best executed and, and kind of like a proof for the uh, validity of jump scares, basically. You yeah. know, that I, I, I think jump scares in general are kind of for for whatever reason we've got it in our mind that they're cheap and they're not real horror uh you know to do jump scares and i think the the care that this game puts into making you so afraid of so many things you know by the end your sub is literally filling up with blood in that like to get to the controls you're like wading through uh waist deep blood and your oxygen is running out and the lights are flickering and the outside, you know, it sounds like the sub is being crushed. And then you get to the last, you know, you're getting to the last photo point. You're thinking, please, I just need to take one more photo and I will be done with this. I'm so close. And then you turn around to snap the photo and a giant eel shoves its way through the back of the sub. <laughs> and, and then it goes black and says iron lung. And it's like, I, it is just so perfectly executed yeah i didn't i did not like it uh personally <laughs> uh I, this is also where i should disclose i'm like not a huge horror person like not a huge horror games person either specifically because of the interaction because you're like oh i'm doing it oh no um uh and so the ending i was like uh shocked uh not shocked and also not surprised and also like like i jumped <laughs> like in my chair <laughs> because oh yeah because it's it's just you're right it is extremely well executed and because the entire hour leading up to this has been like this nonstop barrage of threats that you can't really identify or see or really do anything but like kind of feel. Uh, it's like almost cathartic because yeah. it's like, oh, finally it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I thought I knew how Iron Lung ended and I didn't. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, I thought the game ended with you taking the final photograph and the picture is a, basically like a mouth coming at you. Like in the photo, mm -hmm. which I don't know, like then maybe it would crush or I don't know what that's what I always thought it was. I don't know where I got that from. Uh, nothing prepared me for Froggy <laughs> in here coming through. I was like, man, can't wait to see this photo. And then uh, nearly threw myself across the room when yeah. that motherfucker <laughs> popped in. Genuinely horrifying. <laughs> and and it's, it's like it doesn't look good if you yep. like pause it it's not like the model is particularly scary it looks like the eel from mario 64 nice. but it's just like i would like to give credit where it's due though we just talked about alan wake 2 on our nebula exclusive feed sunderon.tv slash nebula all right nebula.tv slash something run listen to it something we talked about hard as fuck title card drop Iron Lung's title card drop at the end. Oh, extremely hard. hard. Holy it's fuck. It's yeah, so yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. So good. I so oh good. God. That, I was just so glad it was over. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude. The other thing that uh, that we one of you mentioned, but we should talk about, is in the middle. The other, like, big scare of the game is you're not at a photo point, but there is something that is, like, so relentlessly kind of dogging your submarine mm -hmm, yeah. that you just are like, well, I guess I should try and take a picture of this. And you take a picture, and it's a giant eye, and then a second later, something, like, smashes into the side. <laughs> but it's the only, it's, like, the only clear picture in the entire yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also why it's horrifying, because you're like, so the other thing is, I, I, was, I was playing this game, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to finish this, because I was finding the controls tedious. 
So I looked up the ending. I knew what happened. It was still terrifying. <laughs> like I knew yeah. all of the things. What's What's interesting about the ending is you can actually go to any of the points on the map in any order. So you can go to the final photo spot and take that picture and see what it actually would be. And it's like a building that you can see like windows and shit. And it's pretty fascinating. That's, yeah, I, I found that out today because I was looking at like um, there's... They're kind of clickbaity videos on YouTube that's like, does anything happen if you take this photo last in Iron Lung? And the answer is like, no, not, well, nothing happens. <laughs> you, get a, you get an achievement that says you've played this game before. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do like, there's one photo, probably the weirdest photo other than the uh, buildings, is like at kind of the end of probably the scariest like drive of the game which is just an extremely narrow mm. uh corridor where like your indication for being too close to the walls is flashing on both sides of you and so you just have no choice but to like keep going forward and you take a picture of this thing called the entity or something that's like what the achievement calls it which looks very um in in the book annihilation which was made into the film annihilation there's a lot of writing about like fucked up starfish and just like starfish oh, yeah. doing all sorts of crazy shit and it's yeah. like that looks like what you're taking a picture it of rocks. <laughs> yeah this game this game is good it's, it's also like even though like you know sort of the you listener know the general story of the game and like what happens in it like you should play it if you haven't because it will fuck you up like you yep. can't like you the, the oppressiveness the tone the vibes like, it doesn't matter if you know. It's still scary as fuck. Yeah, which I guess is, you know, our answer to, like, does streaming hurt it? Because, Bijan, you watched the ending, and you yeah. still yeah. played it and <laughs> scared the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was horrifying. Oh, there is the... If, if we've already talked about the ending, we should talk about the, the last text screen, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, what, is it, what does it say? Like, essentially that your mission didn't matter. <laughs> like, yo! Yeah! The expedition ultimately raised more questions than answers. Satellite images showed pieces of the SM-13, that's new, scattered all over the bottom of the trench as though it had been torn apart by some huge beast. The wreckage cannot be reached at this time. No photographs have been recovered. The stars shine pale as bones. The moon is a lifeless corpse. Its ocean, a gaping wound. The universe, what's left of it, is dying. But somewhere in the void, there must be hope. That's the 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 stars shine pale as bones is such a good line. I remember yeah. seeing that and just being like, "God damn!" Here's the thing, Dave. Yeah, good writer. Uh, y- y'all know the uh, the end of Barry Lyndon, the Kubrick no. movie, where at, <laughs> at the end of it, it says. Um, Epilogue. It was in the reign of George III that the aforesaid personage lived and quarreled, good or bad, handsome or ugly, rich or poor, they are all equal now. Where it's literally just like, they all died and it didn't matter. <laughs> it's the end of it. I, I thought a similar thing with yeah, Iron yeah. That's Eddie's monologue from Silent Hill 2. Whether you're pretty or you're ugly, doesn't matter when you're dead. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the thing. This is being made into... A movie theatrical question release, mark in fact. like truly a theatrical release that's mm-hmm. been yeah that's been confirmed uh markiplier is a member of sag aftra so apparently it also got delayed by the strikes <laughs> markiplier yeah. uh, is directing it too which i don't think i knew he's the director I, so i know i know very little about markiplier other than he's a guy who plays video games i i don't know what would he's your co-worker <laughs> he is as is mr beast and you know uh ben shapiro uh but like what what is this what is this as a movie you know like what do you do to this story to make it a movie here's the thing 
if he does it smart, which uh, I'm looking at it on Letterboxd, it has five five characters or five people in its cast already a mistake as far as I'm concerned. You need one. Uh, Jack Septicai is one of those people. So, you know, we're, we're rocking with all Jacob's coworkers. That's uh, right. But there is decades of precedent for single location horror films that are scary as all get out. Um, a film we talk about a lot on the various Blake Hester cinematic universe podcasts is inside, <laughs> which technically takes 90% just takes place in one house. And it's the most terrifying thing. Yeah. I could... Bo Burnham. I've seen it. No <laughs> <laughs> wrong inside, but I guess technically, yes. Uh, a movie I thought about a lot while playing this was the movie buried starring Ryan Reynolds that is set front to back, just in a coffin buried underground that he is in trying to get out and people trying to find him. I think what they do is just, they never leave this sub, not a single time. And then they just find the creative ways through sound design. One just make shit outside, but to get into that character's head, you know, it's going to take a lot of careful writing to get there, but like never leave that sub, like make the viewer feel as trapped as the protagonist of this film. Like never let them know peace outside that side. I think I think I think that's a really good instinct. I also think this could work with more characters in that like I assume what they've probably done is like made like one two of these characters talk and give you a mission briefing and then weld you into the sub and then it's just down there. Because there's like there's a lot of lore to the game. There's there's all stuff there's all sorts of stuff happening outside, but like I think a very smart way to do it would be like, here's a peek at society and now you're leaving it forever. And like now you're just Markiplier in a submarine that's been welded shut. The thing I really don't want, though, is like periodic flashbacks throughout the game. Yeah. That's, like, I feel like that's the kind of more obvious, like the kind of 127 yeah. hours yeah. type yeah. thing, which worked for that movie. But like, I don't know. It's I, I, I would love for the movie's introduction of the lore to be as hard as the games yep. where it just puts up a fucking Blade Runner screen yeah. of like, here's here's the deal. But like, I don't think it will do that. And I think it'll it'll kind of it'll explain it more in in the story, which I, I don't know if I'll vibe with. I will say, aside from Markiplier, who's list credited as the writer, who apparently is the writer of eight different movies yeah none of them have been a theatrical this is his first movie theater movie yeah interesting um the creator is the co-writer it's him and markiplier writing this so you know could be good could instill some confidence i mean i are you gonna so the question is are you gonna see it yeah day one we're gonna cover (laughs) it on the podcast we're gonna get markiplier on the podcast Uh, maybe david you know he might be easier to get but yeah i'm seeing it day one for sure i'll I'll see it day one with all of the 16 year olds who are in the theater (laughs) yeah dude i'm going straight to the theater i'm making aj moser come with me against his will and we're gonna watch iron lung at 9 (laughs) a.m Oh my god! Queens, New York. It's like as much as I think there is the potential of kind of undercutting what's interesting about the game. This is just this is a cool choice to be like I want to make a movie. Like I am more interested in this than the Slenderman movie or the Five Nights at Freddy's movie or any of those other ones, which I think are much more obvious picks for adaptation. Like I like that this is so weird that like you have to do something weird with the movie because there's no obvious way to do it but like also i had a better experience watching the game as a film like i think it will lend itself very well to being a movie in a way that like i don't see how five i haven't seen the five nights of freddy's movie but just like when i heard about it i was like i would much rather play that 
Like the experience of Five Nights at Freddy's feels more like a game to me. But I think Iron Lung would work totally fine as a movie. I think it's just going to, like the game has, take a lot of thoughtful atmosphere building and writing. That's all it really needs. I think it'll translate just fine. I I almost wonder if they're going to like have two characters in the sub. Mm. (laughs) So because like one person in a sub you have to like do something to externalize the monologue, right? You have to, you know, journal entries or like talking to yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, I sort of wonder if it's him and it's going to be him and that woman, the woman who's listed on the um, credits. I forget her name, but um, just down there talking to each other, like a one act play kind of. Yeah. Which here's, here's what they do. One person, multiple personalities, one played by Markiplier, one played by Jacksepticeye. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate YouTube collab. My kudos to Markiplier just in that, like, he's going, just by the very nature of the source material, he's going to have to make a weird fucking movie. And that's pretty cool for such a big YouTuber to be like, I'm going to make some weirdo shit. Like, I think that's pretty rad. I mean, it would be really funny if this is, like, the first real hit of, like, YouTube Hollywood thing. You know, like, I I, I don't know. I think it's got a shot. Jacob, can't you just walk a few desks over and... Ask him what he's doing over yeah, there. Yeah, t- tap, YouTube's tap, tap. Like, can I yeah. co-star? Can, <laughs> can you put me in that blood ocean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Bijan, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on, playing this uh, pretty <laughs> unpleasant game and uh, and talking about it with us. Yeah. Um, is is there anything you would like to plug at this time? Um, you know, uh, there was there would have been a time when I could answer that. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug uh, other than if you are a game developer and you need some writing, uh, under a contract basis hit me up because now i am a professional i was gonna i mean can you tell us not anything about the game you're working sure. on or whatever but like uh, genre specialties <laughs> like what what you what you like writing about because i just this is like this is a part of your kind of work that i'm i, I am not familiar with you know yeah. i don't like what you like writing oh that's a, that's a that is a good question and one i can answer um i i really enjoy i mean it's funny because i uh i feel like I've been writing a lot of different stuff, stuff that I wouldn't necessarily think to write. And it's been really interesting just to explore different kinds of characters. Um, but I mean, I, I'm a, I mean, if you go back and play, if you look at my itch page and the games that I've like put out, I'm a sucker for like, like narrative, narrative, like characters, like getting to know each other and themselves. Um, but you know, like I think that's the kind of self-indulgent stuff that doesn't work in the industry. Well, it does, but it, it, like you have to find the right place for it. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, like I, spend a lot of time in Microsoft Excel or, or Google Sheets um, because that's like where all the writing happens is like in like that's our CMS is like spreadsheets. Um, and it's just it's just funny because it's like a much different kind of experience. Um, yeah. But it's it's you know, it's a it's it's really interesting. I feel like I'm learning a lot um, and the people I'm working with are great. It's uh, it feels really exciting to to finally like get to work on some stuff that uh, other people might finally care about. That's the big one. The dream of all writers. No, it's not. It, it's actually, it, it's, a, it's a little bit nerve-wracking to think that, you know, at some point my work will be seen by other people and scrutinized because it's a game. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Because, like, people care about video games in a way they don't really care about, like, music. Well, not music, but, like, books and stuff. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Just inter- yeah. it's interesting to, like, think that, feel, feel exposed already without even, you know, <laughs> having anything out. But, and, no. I well. Th- yeah. But uh, we're we're looking forward to it. You'll definitely be hearing more when I can talk about whatever I'm working on. Um, so the next game that we're going to be playing uh, is is another little horror game uh, that I would describe as 
10 times scarier than Iron Lung. Oh, God, uh, great. It is, it is the game Anatomy by Kitty Horror Show, which is one of my favorite games. Also, one of the scariest games ever made. Blake, can't wait for you to play this one. <laughs> Jacob, are we playing any not scary games coming up? I guess the season yeah, after this Yeah, you know, one. after this. Yeah, okay. God, it's still man. technically spooky season, bro. You, you gotta you gotta lean in. Bro, we have really written ourselves into a corner with this something <laughs> rotten podcast. Man, we play some <laughs> dark shit. <laughs> like, but like it's gotta be interesting at least, you know? Hey, this podcast has introduced me to three of my all time favorite games. So you know, it worked out. It worked out. Huge that way. great hit rate. Absolutely. Iron Lung, uh, <laughs> No More Heroes, nope. and uh, not <laughs> Manhunting? Not those three. Not even close. <laughs> uh, all right. Take us uh, home, Jacob. For, for Blake Hester, my name is Jacob Geller. You've been listening to Something Rotten, and uh, let me just say, the stars shine pale as bones. The moon is a lifeless corpse. Its ocean a gaping wound. The universe, what's left of it, is dying. Or as they said, the stars are bright down in the heart of Texas. All right. Well, anyway, thank you for having me. I had a great time. (laughs) Bye.